Okay, hi everyone. Uh, welcome back to the living world. It is now five o'clock um, and I hope you all are doing well. This is now episode number 30, woo, the big 3-0, and uh, it was just St. Patrick's Day on Friday, so happy St. Patrick's Day, and uh, it was also Mother's Day yesterday, um, so happy Mother's Day. Now, this is a funny thing, uh, Mother's Day in the UK is, you know, yesterday. Mother's Day in the US is in May, the second weekend of May, so it always confuses me, because I'm like, wait, is it Mother's Day? But for me, it isn't. But mostly for everyone else, here it is. So yes, happy St. Patrick's Day. Happy uh, Mother's Day in the UK. Happy Mother's Day in the US in another two months. So yes. <laughs> and also, um, maybe if you're walking around town and you happen to see a, a blue container uh, full of AirPods, uh, one of the show hosts is looking for her AirPods. She just came in uh, right before I uh, broadcast, actually, and was looking for them. So if any of you guys see a thing of blue uh, container-colored AirPods, those might be hers. And reach out. Uh, so yeah, and another side note before I start today's show is... Um, the the star studio is actually a, a little bit of a mess. It's not too bad, but I came in today, and um, a copy of this school newspaper is actually on the desk right now, and it w it's from last April because I was like, okay, cool, cool, and I looked down, and the most recent article that they had in this in the student paper was actually about some of the shows that are on star and guess what they featured my show with a little paragraph i mean yes this was from last year but it it does it it does make me think what if they're doing another thing about my show this year that would be great so i just wanted to read to you guys the little blurb that um anna owen the deputy uh, anc editor uh wrote about my show because I have been doing it for many years now. Uh, so anyways, she wrote, um, this was when my show was broadcasting last year at 6 p.m. She wrote, every Monday, self-professed bio-nerd Julia Ashley chats about interesting research findings in biology from different universities across the world. Uh, she says, if your, if your degree isn't enough of a STEM fix, uh, the living world is an engaging introduction to many fields of biological research. And she had just written about my most recent um, episode, which was looking at the research from Queen Mary University uh, of London, looking at environmental DNA, uh, buff-tailed bumblebees, and the origins of mammals. So yes, woo, I have more news publications that I had no idea about. No idea at all. And I love that she literally called me a self-professed bio-nerd, because I am. I am. Yes. Or at least that's the persona I, I like to portray when I'm on air. I am a different person off air, but on air, I am a fun-loving bio nerd. So yes, I appreciate that very much. Anyways, it makes me really want to think about actually checking out the school newspaper, and I forget about it half the times. But yes, I was in the news. Woo! 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 <laughs> so happy about that. Oh my god. And I hope they do another blurb on my show. Um, <clears throat> this time around too. That would be great. That would be great. And another update, uh, too, before I start today's episode is I know you guys must be wondering about now. Okay, Julia, you talk about all the time about having people on your show where you interview them about their work. 
And yes, yes, I do agree with you on that. I do interview people. And you might be wondering, okay, Julia, you haven't had anyone on this whole semester. Why? Where are these interviewees that you promised us? Well, I just want to um, answer that back. Uh, a, I've been swamped because third year is rough. So rough. Uh, but B, I have actually been in contact with uh, two possible interviewees. Now, life gets in the way of a lot of this, as we all know. But I have been in chats with uh, this lady who is a family friend who actually works at the FDA. But sadly, the FDA being the uh, f- the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S., being a big governmental company, takes forever to get back to me. But I did just get confirmation that I would hear back about my interview proposal in like another month. So, or two months actually. So, coming next uh, academic year, next semester, uh, possibly, I may finally be able to interview someone from the FDA. Woo! So yes, uh, keep that on your calendars, guys. Uh, keep listening, even though I won't be broadcasting uh, once exams start because exams and the summer because I will be having I will be working um, at a summer internship uh, shout out to uh, Dr. Hazel Barton's lab woo because that's where I will be in Akron Ohio so no broadcasting for a while but uh, for you guys that are the loyal listeners that I have hopefully I have a few more this time uh, just keep that in mind um, I am trying to get an interview with an, a lady from the FDA so Please keep your eyes open for that. And I've also met with another lady from a nonprofit, um, but she's been busy and I've been busy, so we'll see. And of course, uh, any academics, students, postgrads, again, my little ploy, if you would like to get on my show, because I only have a few more weeks of broadcasts left before we all hit revision week and exams, uh, please hit me up. I would love to have a live guest. It would take me a little bit of a while, I think, to figure out how to actually include another person on because I broadcast by myself and I don't have co-hosts, but, you know, it's all good. So, yes, uh, keep those dates in mind and keep the uh, student newspaper in mind. And, hey, who knows? You will find my publication of being a a bio nerd in there. And I hope you're as happy about it as I am because I'm so happy about it. Oh, man. I feel famous. It's weird. It's weird. You know, I haven't gotten on The Crown, but, you know, at least I've, at least my name is in a newspaper. Though I did one time actually get on uh, the local news station on TV physically where they said my name and they had a video of me talking about stuff. But that was back in first year. Um, If you ever want to go see that, you can go on my Facebook page. But yeah, needless to say, I feel very happy about having my show be publicized a little bit more, hopefully get the FDA lady, and I will now get back to um, the topic of my show tonight. Yes, so the I am sticking with the one article per episode uh, n- new outline for the show because I think that worked pretty well. Uh, hopefully I won't ramble too much <laughs> about other TV shows, but I hope you guys did enjoy my uh, little rant about Grey's Anatomy because it is very amusing, especially if you're very sick and you need a show to watch. But yes, uh, the, sh- the uh, university I will be discussing this week is actually a Duke uh, in North Carolina in the States. Now, you might be wondering, okay, Julia, why'd you pick this place? The reason was, actually, is uh, 
I don't know if I've mentioned this already, but my sister, uh, Brooke, hi, Brooke, woo she's actually uh, studying here for the semester. She's in her second year at William & Mary, and she decided to come here to St. Andrews for a semester. So it's fun. We're vibing together. But uh, I was talking with her last week, and she is doing economics and was trying to get uh, – is and is in the middle of trying to get an internship um, in economics. And um, – she heard back from one of my uncles who works in economics, and he got back to her and might have found her an internship at a family consulting company in South Carolina. So I was inspired by that to pick my next university uh, close to uh, South Carolina and close to, you know, a family personal matter going on in my life. That's also not too personal. So, yes. And actually, I did go and tour Duke um, a few years back in 2019 for one of my college tours. And they have a really pretty, um, they have a really pretty cathedral. And I went in spring. It was like around this time, 2019, which is four years ago. Jeez, <laughs> Jesus. Um, but yes, it was spring. It was gorgeous. They had this massive cathedral, and science is really strong there, as it is here. And it was just a really pretty place. Um, though I do caveat you, if you do want to go there, they're an expensive private school. So yes, keep that in mind. But it is in North Carolina, which is nice and warm, especially at this time of the year, especially compared to Scotland. So yes, <clears throat> I'll be talking about research from Duke tonight. Uh, what will I be discussing? I will be discussing glass frogs. Yes, glass frogs. And no, they are not uh, frogs that are made of glass that are like, you know, you see in the glass making workshops and whatever. they, You know how they can make... Like things out of glass. Like I think I actually had a. I used to have a glass horse, and like you know vases and stuff. No, it's not an actual like physical glass frog. It's an actual organism, an animal. Yes, it's an animal. It's an animal called the glass frog. And uh, the reason why this animal is called the glass frog is it's a very unique type of frog that's also known as the see-through frog because it has translucent skin. Yes. And if you guys are curious about what this frog actually looks like, just look up glass frog. Um, maybe specify that it's an actual living thing and not an actual piece of glass, melted silicon and whatever. Uh, but yes, uh, these animals are super cool because you can actually see through their bodies. Like it's kind of freaky, especially when they're alive, you know, and it's like you see through them and you see their heart beating and it's just like this thing of muscle that you can just watch like twitch 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 like oh god kind of creepy but they're really cool looking little dudes um i've never seen one i would love to see one i keep talking about all this stuff how i would love to see one of them but i never have but yeah this is just another one of those kinds of things that it would be really cool for me to see for sure uh and um if you guys are interested in uh, frogs in general and want to learn more about the glass frogs um there are over 60 different types they live all over the place, uh, primarily in um, Central and South America, and they typically live in tropical rainforests in the treetops. And the size of these frogs depends on what species they are. Um, the smallest ones can be under an inch, and the largest ones can be about three inches long. And um, while I said that these frogs have translucent skin and you can see through them and see their organs and it's kind of creepy, uh, they do have a skin color. 
Yes, they do. Woo. Their skin is not just white. <laughs> no, it is not just white. Uh, yes, their skin is typically like this bright greenish, olivey color, though it can be uh, black or white, I guess. But the primary trans translucent part of these frogs is on their bellies. And uh, you can see their heart and their intestines and their liver uh, when the frog is a translucent looking. And uh, I've also I also found in my research that uh, the some of the bones of these frogs can actually look like are actually green. Like they're not just white, you know, like typical like human bones that are kind of like that weird milky off-white color. Um, their bones can actually be green. <laughs> Which is nuts. Like, you think about, like, you know, you know, your typical Halloween costume when you dress up as a skeleton and it's, like, black and white and all the bones and stuff. Imagine if you went to, like, a costume party or whatever, or you had a you had a kid or a cousin and you dressed them up in a skeleton costume. If you wanted to dress them up as a glass frog skeleton costume, which I guess would be you're looking like a person, but you're trying to portray a frog, you'd have to make sure the bones were green. <laughs> uh, that would just, that'd just be funny, you know? And, you know, like, the glow-in-the-dark skeleton costumes that look kind of greenish when they glow? Those can actually be anatomically kind of right if you want to be a glass frog, which is cool. <laughs> and kind of random. But it's cool. <laughs> and, uh... These glass frogs, the reason why their skin is so weird and translucent, uh, at least that scientists have come to come to think of it and look at it, is that it's it's their own mechanism of uh, camouflage to help prevent them being spotted by predators. Um, and uh, these frogs, they're actually carnivores, which... You know, I, I kind of thought would be true. You know, other frogs, they eat bugs and stuff. These ones, they also eat bugs and spiders, which is good because spiders. <laughs> and they're really small. So, of course, uh, their camouflage and all their techniques is really important here. So they don't get targeted, which is good. And uh, glass frogs are actually nocturnal. So that means they're the most active from uh, dusk to dawn. And apparently they're very territorial, which I had no idea. You know, frogs, you know, you just think they're kind of chill. Nah, nah, nah. These guys, they get violent. They get violent. I mean, how violent? I don't know. But apparently they're territorial. And I know that that varies on a random scale of things. But yes, <laughs> they can get violent and it is a fun time. Um, what else? Uh, glass frogs, I mentioned they are nocturnal. They have their translucent skin, which is kind of weird looking. Um, their mating season occurs um, in the springtime, and they live most of their lives in trees. Uh, and their mating season, as, as I said, occurs in the springtime after the rainy seasons. And a uh, typical like, number of eggs that the females will lay is like 20 to 30. And um, the tadpoles will hatch after about two weeks. And uh, some, apparently some species of glass frogs will actually bury themselves in the ground until they turn into adults. <laughs> Imagine you're a little tiny tadpole. And, well, you don't start off as a tadpole. You start off as an egg. And your, your parent frog, mother frog, goes and lays, lays 
lays eggs and they bury them in the ground and then you hatch as a tadpole and you literally spend your whole um child and juvenile life in the ground and you only come out when you're an adult like imagine if they did that to us now <laughs> like you guys if you've seen the movie uh, tangled rapunzel and she's stuck in a house for 18 years yeah just imagine that but instead of being stuck in a house where you have views of really nice windows and sunlight and stuff you're just stuck underground like god Ooh. i don't want that like my whole development being stuck underground and i'm 21 now so that would have meant i would have only had these past three years of my life not underground if i was a glass frog and if I was a glass frog that lived the typical life of a human. <laughs> glass frogs don't live as long as humans. They only live uh, about 10 to 14 years in the wild. Uh, though this is actually still pretty long, you know. Yeah, I, maybe I just don't have the best idea of what a typical lifespan is for a frog. But still, 10 to 14 years, that's like, like, that's like typical ages for like if you have a cat or a dog. Like a pet cat or a dog. They live kind of like that long. Yeah, uh, pretty interesting though. I wonder how they're able to live that long. I have no idea, but cool, right? Pretty cool. Um, and uh, this specific study from Duke, they looked at this certain um, glass frog species called the northern glass frog. Um, and this is a frog species that, as I uh, have mentioned, uh, lives in trees. And um, they are found in these same tropical rainforest environments as many other typical glass frog species are found. And uh, northern glass frogs specifically are found throughout uh, South and Central America. They live in countries including uh, Belize, Costa Rica, Guatemala, uh, Honduras, and uh, Panama. And as, as is per typical, um, one of the biggest threats that these frogs face is habitat, lo habitat loss. Um, and if you want to read more information about the northern glass frogs, because I don't exactly provide the most info here, um, I have a few links to that of frog species from uh, the Rainforest Alliance websites. And you can also look them up on, um, they might be on the photo arc. If you guys have heard of the Nat Geo photo arc where they take a picture of endangered animals uh, and they put them up on Instagram and whatnot, um, they might be up there. I don't know. I don't know. I remember seeing a post where they did a, a photo arc about, like, wolves or something. It was cute. They were so cute. Like, little faces. I'm like, oh. I'm not talking about wolves here. Um, but, yes. <laughs> uh, the northern glass frog, they may be up on that photo arc. But, yes. Uh, this study looked at glass frogs. Um, and I will be going into that now. Now that you guys have a little bit of a background about uh, where glass frogs are from and what their lifestyles are like and how that works for them. This specific study, uh, a bit older than the last one I talked about last week, which was really, really recent. This study is a few months older than that. It was published um, December 22nd of just this past year, which really doesn't feel that long ago, but it is, it is March 2023, which is nuts. <laughs> Uh, but yes, this study was published on December 22nd, as I have already mentioned, and it involved researchers from, of course, uh, Duke, and there were also people from USC, which uh, is University of Southern California, which I actually also visited on a college tour when I lived in LA. Really nice place, super warm. They have an actual agreement at USC with um, the local gangs that are there, because yes, LA has gangs. 
to actually clean the university campus. And there's also like an agreement, I think, too, with providing employment for some of the staff, which is pretty cool. Uh, and it was just nice to go to USC, too, because it was warm in California. <laughs> but they're also also really big into beach volleyball. Um, and another group of researchers that was also involved on this uh, was people at Stanford. Because Stanford, gosh dang it, they're everywhere. Like them and 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 Oxford and flipping Harvard, MIT, God, they're everywhere. I'm like, why, guys? Why are you everywhere? How are you everywhere? Like, makes me wonder... Woo. They have to have some big research departments. Man. Man. <laughs> Makes me wonder sometimes. But yes, yeah, Stanford is also in California. And actually, one of my friends from high school goes there. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. She took a gap year before she went, but, you know, pretty cool. <laughs> Do I want that to be me? No. <laughs> I'm already stressed enough. But, uh, no, nah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. So yes, um, the study involved, again, some big names, just like the one last week, because they all do for some reason. But yes, the study was actually really cool. Uh, as I mentioned, they were looking at these glass frogs, specifically these northern glass frogs, and their scientific name. It's a mouthful. I'm going to try my best here. Uh, the scientific name of the northern glass frog, native to Central and South America, is apparently Hyalin uh, bat. Patricium uh, Fleishmani. Huh, that's a mouthful. I told you guys it was a mouthful. It is a mouthful. Like, oh my god. <laughs> but yes, uh, they looked specifically at these northern glass frogs, which are, um, as I mentioned before, they're pretty small, only a few centimeters uh, big. And the goal here of this study was to figure out the specific uh, physiological reasons and biological reasons as to why these frogs are able to become transparent in the first place and and figure out like how this happens like how the frogs are able to even like regulate this at least on the most basic sense because we've known about these frogs for a while but have we known about the specifics of how they turn translucent slash transparent no that so that's what this study was looking at and if you guys are curious about reading about uh, more information on this study after I am done talking about it for this episode, uh, there were actually a lot of um, news publications about this. Like, I kept looking and looking, and it was like every three websites I found, it was like NPR posted about it, BBC posted about it, PBS posted about it, Nature posted about it, everyone posted about this thing. But I, I guess it makes sense. It is pretty cool finding. But yeah. So needless to say, there's a lot of info out there if you guys want to learn more after, I do after I'm done uh, discussing this, because there was a lot more uh, in this paper and in this research that is covered that I do not have time to cover this evening. So yes, uh, what was the basis of this paper besides the fact that they were looking at the physiological reasoning behind why these frogs turn transparent? Uh, yes, that's what I'll be covering uh, <laughs> with this. So the basis of what this paper was looking at, according to its uh, research abstract, uh, because this is typically where the study aims in biological scientific papers are posted, uh, specifically if you want to know about what the paper was looking at and what the researchers were looking at, the study aims and the hypothesis, you check the introduction, the end of the introduction. But the abstract is really great too because it's like, really short they're typically really short there's a word limit um and they talk about 
the basis of what the study was looking at, the methods used, a really simple sentence on the results, and that's that. So according to the abstract of this um, article with the glass frogs, what they were looking at, uh, according to them, is they uh, looked at is that they were uh, documenting how glass frogs overcome uh, the challenge of concealing their cells from view, a.k.a. making their cells transparent. And to study this, they used uh, something called a photoacoustic imaging. They specifically were looking at red blood cells in vivo in these frogs, and uh, their study was looking at the location, the density, and the packing of these red blood cells and how it contributed to the frogs becoming transparent. So yes, these researchers, they basically found through their research the reason behind why these frogs turn transparent. Why? Why do they turn transparent? The big thing they found here, and that I've already mentioned from their abstract, is these frogs are able to become transparent due to how they store their blood. Yeah, their blood. You guys know blood. It's red. Um, these cells don't have nuclei, nuclei, uh, they're anuclear, fancy, woo, um, in humans, our red blood cells have that little concave thing in the middle, and they are a very big target for malaria parasites, and, you know, malaria is horrible, <laughs> but yes, red blood cells, big thing, um, in biochemistry terms, they have cooperativity with four subunits of hemoglobin to help store oxygen, and they're a big part of our bodies because they carry oxygen around, uh, transport it to our cells, and they're just really important. And yes, so these these researchers, they were able to find that these frogs are able to become transparent due to how they store their blood. So, okay, they found this out, but what's the significance of this finding? How does this compare to other findings that have been done before? So the big thing is, is that glass frogs aren't the only transparent organisms that we know of. There are a lot of other organisms that we've found that are able to remain transparent. But the big thing with this is, is that a lot of these transparency mechanisms that have been found in other organisms before have been generally poorly understood because of lack of research or whatever. Um, and it's really hard to study this kind of thing, too, because... Red blood cells are red, they have color, they absorb light, so it makes it hard to child it makes it really hard to uh, study transparency. And this study is really big too because the glass frogs are actually the only uh, vertebrates that are able to do this. So we have found other organisms, as I've mentioned, that can go transparent. Uh, these include animals called ice fish, which I have never seen. Of course, who has seen an ice fish? Not me. Woo! I mean, unless you count freezing a fish in the freezer aisle uh, because they're ice fish. They're icy fish. He, he, he. No, no. But yes, uh, and other organisms that are able to do this as well are uh, apparently larval eels. And also, if you guys have heard of the model organism C. Uh, elegans, which is a type of nematode worm, um... Yes, and they're 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 a very they're a very big model organism as well. They can go transparent as well, but these organisms aren't vertebrates. So that's the big thing here with these glass frogs and why this study is really big, because it looks at the only vertebrate that can 
make itself go transparent slash translucent. And uh, it looks at red blood cells, which is, has been a really hard thing to do. And uh, so, yes, as I've mentioned before, this study looked at the red blood cells of these frogs to figure out how they're able to do this. Because as I mentioned before, red blood cells, they're red, they have color. So that would inherently make them not transparent, right? <laughs> no, no, they, they do this thing. They do this, this really fancy, uh, fancy thing. And another importance uh, too with them studying red blood cells, other than the fact that these glass frogs are transparent vertebrates, is that red blood cells are uh, really important cells in general. As I've mentioned before, with them carrying around oxygen and doing other molecule, macromolecule transport, uh, they they are also um, important in the uh, biochemical and uh, other other fields of biolo biological research because blood is actually um, an important component in specific vaccines. So actually, if you guys have heard of horseshoe crabs, which look like little weird little buggers, <laughs> they actually have blue blood. And this blue blood um, has really high immunogenic properties and it's actually used in vaccines. So yes, the glass frogs' uh, blood was really important in the study. They don't have blue blood. They have red blood. They're not horseshoe crabs. But um, another importance of this study too was studying like the cells themselves, not just how the organism could become transparent, but actually studying the cells themselves. So they were able to, these researchers, they were able to figure out why this frog becomes transparent, but how were they able to do this? Uh, what were the techniques that they used in the lab to do this? Because as you guys may have already guessed, they had to study living frogs living frogs. Yes, I know. They didn't take frogs and kill them. That would be sad. And there's a lot of ethics involved with that, with biological research, but mostly sad because, you know, frogs, man, like frogs. God. But yeah, uh, they they had to actually use these really cool kind of um, like imaging techniques because they were studying living frogs. And what they did for this is they used a variety of microscopy techniques and they found through their research with this, that the uh, tran when the tissues in the glass frogs are transparent, they transmit um, more than 90 to 95 percent of visible light while maintaining their functionality. So 90 to 95 percent of visual light is able to pass through them, and these cells are still able to maintain their function. And this transparency is, uh, as they found, as these researchers found, that they found that this transparency is adaptive, and it allows these glass frogs um, to have their own version of camouflage, as I've mentioned before. Uh, and as I mentioned, studying this has proven difficult because of red blood cells and their color, and how it can uh, compromise these frogs' uh, camouflage uh, capabilities because they can absorb light um, and make the cells not transparent again. And um, they were able to study these frogs using, uh, as I mentioned, a variety of microscopy techniques. Uh, first off, they used uh, calibrated uh, color photography 
They measured the transparency of 11 different frogs uh, while they were asleep, uh, while they were awake, um, and after exercise. And what they found is, actually, this transparency is most common in the frogs when they're asleep. Um... When they are sleeping, the frogs are able to transmit uh, about 34 to 61% more light through their cells uh, compared to other conditions when they're awake or when they're exercising. So this basically means when the frogs are asleep, their cells are more transparent. And these researchers figured this out and they were like, oh crud, now we have to figure out how they do this. How do they control this? And they found that uh, through observing these sleeping frogs, they circulate uh, their blood. um, And their blood, when they're sleeping, has less red blood cells. And when they they awakened, when the frogs woke up, that their uh, red blood cell concentration actually uh, sharply increased when they woke up. So as uh, you guys may or may not know, blood consists of not just red blood cells, you also have uh, white blood cells, which are your immune uh, defense system, and you also have blood plasma, which is, I think, like 50 or 60%, so it's a big thing. So yes, uh, they found when these frogs are asleep, they have high levels of blood plasma, low levels of red blood cells, but when they wake up, their levels of red blood cells sharply increases. So they found this out, but then they were like, okay, where do the rest of the red blood cells go? We have no idea. They measured this with all these varying uh, methods of optical spectroscopy and microscopy and things. And what they found with this is they were like, okay, where do all these red blood cells go? Um, They had to use another type of microscopy to track this. Uh, This was called uh, photoacoustic microscopy. I mentioned it a bit more at the beginning. They abbreviate it here as PAM, uh, but they use it to track uh, the color changes in the red blood cells as um, an in vivo approach to study in the frogs. And uh, what they found from this after they tracked uh, the red blood cells is... um, It was a whole complicated thing here, but they found actually that the red blood cells, when the frog is asleep, they go into the liver. Yeah, the liver. I'm like, man, what, what the fudge? They go into the liver? Like, geez, that's nuts. That's nuts. Yeah. And, And the whole measurement for this thing was just so involved. Like they did this in vivo thing with the PAM, which was a cool method because it's, like non-invasive and it's quiet and sensitive and whatever. And they uh, they set this up actually by having the frogs um, sleep upside down on these Petri dishes. And then they shine, they shone, shine, shone, sh- shined a laser through them to measure their red blood cells. And uh, then they measured the ultrasonic waves that were released by the red blood cells. That's the PAM method. And it was really neat. And uh, yes, as I mentioned, they found that these red blood cells, when the frogs are asleep, are restricted to the liver. So they stay in the liver. And how much does the red blood cell content decrease when the frogs are asleep? By 80 to 90%. So you have an 80 to 90% decrease in the red blood cell content in these frogs 
and it goes into their liver. Their liver. Like, how the flip do these frogs control that? Like, imagine if this was you, you know, and, and we had, you know, translucent skin and pretend our skin wasn't opaque and every color that it is. Um, if this was us and our livers took up our red blood cells when we were asleep and we were transparent, one, that would be creepy, but two, that would be kind of cool, you know? You know, like, um, with, like, you know, when you play those games when you're a kid, you're like, what superpower do you want? And then you're like, I want to turn invisible. Or if you've, if any of you guys have read Harry Potter, which I hope you have, <laughs> it's very amusing. They're probably more amusing when I was a little younger, um, with the invisibility cloak. Similar kind of thing here, but imagine if that happened to us, you know? You go to sleep one night, uh, your skin is translucent because, you know, that happens <laughs> in some sci-fi books sometimes, maybe. And you go to bed and you sleep and say your roommate or your significant other or your friend or your sibling or your parent walks into your room and they look in and they're like, uh, wow, my child has just turned translucent and their red blood cells have disappeared into their liver. Like, oh my god, that would be one creepy and probably the good subject of a horror slash horror sci-fi thriller movie, but two, also cool if that ever happened, because it would be really cool, I guess, for the medics to study, um, uh, to study things. Yes, yes. Study circulatory systems and, uh, what your organs look like, uh, in the body while not having to cut open a cadaver. But yeah, no, that would be cool, but also creepy at the same time. Uh, yeah, so I'm kind of happy that that doesn't happen to us because you would really get to know someone that way if their body just all of a sudden turned uh, translucent when they fell asleep. Like, God, <laughs> it takes getting to know somebody to a whole new level, <laughs> a whole new level. Jeez. Uh, but yeah, no. So it's just pretty nuts. These glass frogs, man. Um. And they're the only vertebrates that do this. I wonder if it's the same way with other translucent animals. I don't know. I don't know. You'd have to ask a researcher who looks at um, other organisms to see if this is the same thing. But yeah, no. Pretty nuts for these frogs um, that this happens where their red blood cells are stored in their liver. And then when they wake up, um, these researchers found that... When the frogs wake up, the red blood cells are released back into their circulatory systems. And how they figured this out, actually, is they perform something called an exercise assay, <laughs> uh, which is actually the scientific term they use. Yes, an exercise assay. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> it sounds like a euphemism for a PE class, <laughs> a.k.a. physical education. Um, so if anyone remembers the fitness gram testing uh, things from middle school, because they were a big thing in middle school. When I was, when I was in middle school, um, <laughs> if you guys remember that, it sounds like a euphemism for that. Exercise assay, a.k.a. fitness gram test. And if you guys remember the fitness gram pacer test and how it was all like, it had this specific voice and it was like, this test will consist of a series of you running back and forth and it will gradually speed up as time goes on. And you had to do a set number of push-ups and a set number of sit-ups and the pacer test was horrible because you literally had to run back and forth over and over and over until you couldn't run anymore. And it was to all to assess your physical capabilities. 
And I don't know if there's a UK equivalent of this or if it is the same thing because, you know, I don't know how I don't know how class works over here. But yeah, no. Needless to say, fitness gram testing, <laughs> a little bit of PTSD uh, because I was never the top end of that spectrum. But yeah, <laughs> exercise assay used here to analyze all these frogs, but also sounds like a PE euphemism. <laughs> But yeah, uh, what these scientists found from this exercise assay actually is that when the frogs wake up, uh, the red the red blood cells, as I mentioned, they flow out of the liver and they are circulated around the frog's circulatory system um, when they're active. And then when the frogs are resting and recovering from their exercise, uh, their blood cells will actually re-aggregate, uh, re-congregate uh, back into the liver. So what does this mean about the timing of the red blood cell flow? So as I just said, when they're active, their red blood cells go whoosh. They fly around in their veins and arteries and whatever for circulation to transport oxygen, whatever. But then when they're resting and, you know, they're tired and frogs are tired and they sleep a lot, uh, their red blood cells go back to their liver. Now, why? Why? Why is this? Why do you think? Why? Yes. Now, take a minute. Okay, okay. So the reason behind this actually is it is a really important thing. It really, really matters. And the reason for this is because when frogs are recovering from exercise, this typically means they're at rest. And uh, when they're at rest, they're more vulnerable to predators and predation. So this would make sense that all their red blood cells go into their liver to make them transparent again. Because you don't want the dude who's trying to eat you to see your blood and that be the cause of your death. That would suck. <laughs> Imagine they put that on your death certificate if you're a glass frog. Be like, um, Johnny here was killed by a badger or whatever the predator is because he exercised too much and when he rested his blood wouldn't go back into his liver so the predator badger could see him and he ate him and he died like ooh, rest in peace johnny my buddy frog that sounds like a horrible way to die <laughs> your blood doesn't go into your liver like oh my god jeez but yeah needless to say that is the reason why it is so important that they did this exercise assay. And that is why they did it in the first place. And that's what they found from this thing. It's, it's like nuts. And it goes to show again the reason of why you do a whole ton of experiments when you're doing science research. Because you find a lot of unexpected things. And then those unexpected things actually end up being half the time the big thing that you wanted to see in the first place. Like it's this whole crazy thing. Like oh my god. Wow. Jeez. And then when the frogs become active again, their blood comes back into their circulatory system and this allows them to move. But yeah, needless to say, this whole big thing with these frogs, like, wowee. <laughs> uh, God, yeah. I'm, and, and, I, and again, I, I relate this back to, to, to us. Imagine if we had this capability. And if you were at rest, like watching TV or whatever, or for me it was, for me it's mostly watching TV, or reading a book though in this case it's not a book i like for fun it's my uh, science textbook or in most cases it's my science research articles um or if it's i'm or if it's or when it's um me at home and i'm playing 
video games. But yes, imagine if this was you, you were at rest, doing all the activities that you like to do when you're at rest, and your body does this like the glass frogs do. And you turn invisible because your liver has taken up your red blood cells. Again, that's pretty nuts. <laughs> and imagine if you were at like a party. Um, actually, was I at a party recently? No. But if you were at a party, especially a house party, this would be a neat trick. If they had, you know, that whole strobe lighting thing. Or um, if you were at the union. But maybe not right now because they closed the union because they're doing construction on the roof. Um, if you were at the union or a, a house party or a flat party or whatever. And um, you go in and you're like this glass frog again where your skin's translucent. And you sit down and your blood goes into your liver and it's this whole crazy thing, and you turn invisible, and it's flipping nuts. Like, that would be a really sick version of a party trick. Like, my god. <laughs> Everyone would be like, oh my god, look at my friend! Um, Julia, or Sarah, or, um, Johnny, Johnny Boy 2.0. <laughs> and, um, my friend can turn invisible. Oh my god, everyone, look at my friend. Look at this crazy new trick that they have. It's totally insane. Wow. Like, god, that would be nuts, wouldn't it? It, it would be nuts. It really, really would. Like, my god. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, wow. But needless to say, these researchers, man, they found out this... They found out all this crazy stuff. It's really nuts. Um... But yeah, so these researchers, they found using all this microscopy uh, technique, technique stuff and everything. Um, I, I love that they did this with the frogs literally sitting on a Petri dish. If you take a look at some of the articles I uh, will link after this episode, actually, you can see their experimental setup. And it is literally the frog sitting in a plastic Petri dish with a light. And they're just sitting there, these little tiny buggers with their, like, legs, and they're all, like, scrunched up in a ball, and they're just sitting there with a light, and they're, like, little glowy, tiny, um, fluorescent disco balls. It's it's really cute. It's cute. It's it's cute. I mean, it would be more cute if I was, like, oh my god, frogs. I Like, I like frogs, but, you know, they're cute. Especially because they're see-through. I don't know. But it's just really cool, you know? Like, how they set this up and everything. I'm like, wow, god. Who came up with that idea? Whoa. <laughs> It'd be cool to be a researcher on that uh, project, I think. <laughs> I don't know if they're still taking people to do research. Um, I don't think so. But it would be cool to be someone involved in that. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, it really would. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, okay, so that was the majority of what that study was looking at and what they found. That these frogs, they turn translucent because of their blood going back into their liver when they're at rest to protect them from predation and everything and it's this whole big crazy thing and it's nuts but what are some of the future things that can be taken from this research and what is stuff that people are looking at now with this and with these findings and how are they taking this research that was published and extrapolating it because that's always another question that science looks at is like, okay, you did all this work, good job, but now you're going to go and you're going to analyze it and the analysis is going to kill you, but it's fine. It's fine. Uh, yes. So what was this study uh, looking at? What are some of the future steps that they wanted to look at with this? Because they found some pretty cool stuff, as I've already talked about for the past, like, 40 minutes. They've found some cool stuff. Woo, woo, woo. Uh what they found from this and what they want to look at in the future with this. 
is they found through the study that this whole like transparency process that these glass frogs use with their blood raises a lot of questions actually about how they're able to store all of these cells in their liver without damaging the tissues, without having a bunch of blood clots, without, you know, basically chalking their liver full of blood and it totally wrecking the whole system. Like, it makes me wonder too, you know, like, God, their livers have really got to be skilled as heck to deal with all of this, you know? Like, if 80 to 90% of their blood con- of their red blood cell content drops when these frogs are asleep and it goes into their liver, like, what must their liver be doing? Like, holy heck, their liver's got to be insane. Like, jeez Louise, I just, God. And, yeah, it's just got to be totally nuts. And these researchers, yes, number one, they want to figure out how these frogs do this, how they keep their livers from being damaged and clotted to fudge, <laughs> but in application as well, because we know how a lot of science goes. It's all applying it back to humans. And maybe that means we're a little bit um, uh, Anglo-centric or whatever the term for it is, uh, human-centric. I, I don't remember. Uh, but we can tie all this back to uh, research related to humans. And it's a big thing here with this study for future research uh, for looking at um, more information about preventing blood clots. Because blood clots, as we know, are a big thing. Uh, you know, heart disease, um, if you have diabetes, this happens with your feet where you get blood clots. And I think your feet literally turn black. Like, it's not fun. Um, and a whole bunch of other uh causes and cases where blood clots are a big, big thing. This is one application of this study with these frogs, with their crazy, crazy livers that take up all their flipping blood cells and make them transparent. This is one of the applications. But another aside that will probably never be an application because ethics and stuff is, wouldn't it be cool if we could use this same method that these frogs uh, use where they are able to turn transparent where they take up all their blood. Like, wouldn't that be cool if we could have that happen in people? Again, I just said this would never happen ever because ethics and gene editing laws and how none of that is able to happen right now because gene regulation and everything. And it's a whole thing. I won't get into it. There's conferences on this stuff. It's crazy, but wouldn't it be cool if we could do that? You know, if we could do the same thing that these frogs do, it would probably require some major remodeling of our livers and major research more into these livers of these frogs. But wouldn't it be cool? It really would be. Also creepy, but yeah. Um, And besides the applications of this study with these glass frogs for um, preventing blood clots, there is also um, really good use of this study as well for using it as a model for studying these new um, state-of-the-art microscopy techniques that these um, uh, these uh, researchers looked at and used, specifically the uh, photoacoustic imaging method that I mentioned where they uh, shine a, a non-harmful laser onto the frogs. This will hit the red blood cells and cause them to release an ultrasonic wave, which is then later picked up and used to create an image. 
So yes, this was apparently not just a random technique that they picked up off a list and used. It was a new, a novel kind of thing. And this study is good for that because it provides more info on that kind of thing. And the study has also been good in general because it provides more info for us about the uh, overall behavior and physiology of these frogs. And it allows us to help optimize the imaging tools uh, that we have for biomedical engineering and everything. And it's pretty, pretty cool. And it's pretty cool. So yeah, there are a lot of applications for this study. And there are a lot of random asides that you can take this um, into. <laughs> My examples of it being applied to people. Um, the examples of the importance of blood. Um with these frogs and how they take it into their liver and how blood is used in from other organisms like the horseshoe crab and how these glass frogs are really really neat because they themselves can turn transparent and um i did mention at the end of my last show um that i was i was very curious about the next set of tv shows that i would talk about on my uh show that are in relation to the studies that i look at and as I have just looked at uh, this study here with these frogs that are typically green in color. Yay, Duke. Good job, Duke. Thank you very much. Uh, I thought it would be apt to talk about their relationship and what it would look like if you applied this to The Mandalorian. And also because there are new episodes of Mandalorian Season 3 coming out. And have I watched them? No. Why? Because I haven't watched season two since it came out, which was like two or three years ago. And I kind of forgot the plot. And I don't really feel like I have time to watch it right now. So I'll probably watch it in another six months. But yeah. Imagine if you apply this to the Mandalorian. And as we all know, Mandalorian has Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda is flippin' sick and everyone's obsessed with him, including me, but Baby Yoda is green, just like glass frogs are mostly green, and they are especially green when they are transparent and sitting on a leaf. But wouldn't it be nuts if Baby Yoda had this ability? I think his name, his name is Grogu, right? We've established this. Yes. But it would be nuts, you think, if Baby Yoda had this ability, too, where he had this same mechanism that glass frogs do where he could take up the red blood cells into his liver or I don't know what his biological physiology would be because he's a Yoda-esque dude but wouldn't it be cool if, if baby Yoda could do this like it would be so helpful in terms of plot devices just to be able to, ha to have him do this because if he could turn almost completely transparent and basically give him an edge and he could turn invisible and his skin was invisible you have to assume this too, or translucent too you have to assume this too it would be so helpful because half the time the mandalorian is about the mandalorian trying to find baby yoda and hide him away from everyone because everyone wants to steal baby yoda because he's adorable and he knows the force and he looks like yoda and it would just be so helpful if he had this ability, you know? Like, Baby Yoda, why can't you just have a liver that takes up your red blood cells and makes you become translucent? It would be so helpful for you to hide from all of the enemies that you have in your life. Like, oh my god. Uh, it would just be so helpful. So, so helpful. And yes, there is my daily, um, my weekly rant on um, the relationship of the research article that I have discussed to 
a prominent TV show. Hope you guys enjoyed that and you check out The Mandalorian or Grey's Anatomy. Uh, or I think I also discussed The Last of Us, though I never watched that. Though both that and The Mandalorian have Pedro Pascal in it. Uh, but yes, if you guys are curious, uh, maybe check those shows out. And we will see what TV show I talk about next week. But anyways, I hope you guys have uh, enjoyed this episode of The Living World, learning about glass frogs and how they become transparent. And hopefully I will eventually get to do my interview with the lady from the FDA. We will see. Uh, that may take a while. But yeah, and I wish you guys the best of your week nine. We are almost there. The semester, the end of the semester is coming and is coming for us fast. And then exams. But yes, uh, you guys got this. Hope you had a fun time listening to me uh, this week for The Living World. And I will see you all next week for my next episode. Okay, have a good evening.